Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. It's no secret how much we love our state. One of our most favorite pastimes is pointing to a place on the map and driving there to explore local shops, restaurants, and anything else we can find. The keys to a good road trip are snacks, a good playlist, and a clean car. Get your car ready for a Michigan road trip by calling Ride and Shine Mobile Car Detailing in Dearborn, Michigan. We know the owner personally, and there's not a harder worker than Darnell. He will come to your home or place of business for interior and exterior detailing, wax and polish, paint correction, ceramic coating, and window tinting, right in your driveway or parking lot while you work. You can find Ride and Shine Mobile Car Detailing on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or you can call or text Darnell at 313-804-6441 to get your ride shining for spring. This is Great Lakes Confidential with your hosts, Angie and Marty. Hi. How's it going? Okay, yourself? Full. Fantastic. Now that that's out of the way. <laughs> Jesus. So. Yeah, we had a delicious dinner. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was good. Burgers, corn on the cob. I had fried zucchini. I had burgers and gravy, a nice rustic stick to your ribs type meal. Yeah, and you're not a zucchini person. Mm-mm, but I am a gravy person. I do love zucchini. I do love gravy. I I like gravy on certain things. Yeah. Anyways, now that we got What, are you going to put our... zucchini on your, on your pasty? No. See? Ew. That would, I don't think that would be good at all. No. Do you suppose they make pasties with zucchini in I'm it? sure some... Weisenheimer did at one point. Hmm. Anything they can dig up and throw in there. You see all sorts of crazy pasties, you know. Yeah. Everyone just wants to put their own spin on the original. I do love pasties. Pasties. There you go. (laughs) I always screw that up. And then I always do the same thing every time. They just have different words in the UP. I stop and I go pasties, pasties, Mm -hmm. pasties. They have different words that are hard to pronounce for food up there. They have different words that are hard to pronounce everywhere. Like we were talking about the, uh, or last week or whenever I sent you something about kudigi, the uh, the sausage sandwich of the, the UP. Mm. And I'm probably not even saying it right. Kudigi. Yeah. I don't remember. Hey, go get yourself a kudigi down at the uh, kudigi store. <laughs> Speaking of words that are funny and difficult to pronounce... County Roots has a couple of them that Ooh, are... Ooh, County Roots. Yeah, and and some of these are words that you always see on those lists that's like, you can tell if you're from Michigan if you know how to pronounce 
these words. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's always it's always a couple of these ones are always on those lists and it's just funny to me. So this week on County Roots we are still in the C's, the letter C. So we have a ways to go. But we are starting with Charlevoix County. Like I said, Charlevoix, that's all that's always a, a, a word on those lists. According to the 1912 book, A History of Northern Michigan and Its People, Charlevoix County was originally named Keshkakuo after a Saginaw Chippewa chief. That was in 1840. Just three years later, the name was changed to honor Pierre-Francois-Xavier de Charlevoix, a Jesuit priest, historian, and 18th century Great Lakes voyager. I'm sure I mispronounced Keshkakuo. Now I can't even say it again. (laughs) We'll spare them. Sheboygan County is next. There are several theories about the origins of the word Sheboygan, which names a town, a river, and a county in northeast lower Michigan. References to the River Sheboygan, and that Sheboygan is spelled S-H-A-B-O-Y-G-A-N, so slightly different. Just with the S instead of the C, yeah. S-H-A instead of C-H-E, but yeah. References to the River Sheboygan date back to accounts from the region's fur trading era between Native American tribes and later Europeans. One popular belief is that the word derivates from the Anishinaabuin word. Ojibwa. Yeah. Zibwa Owen. Still have no idea what I'm well, there's saying. There's a Sheboygan. I am murdering this. I'm yeah, there's so a sorry. Sheboygan which referred to a well. channel for a canoe. So. Anishinaabe. Anishinaabuin? Anishinaabemowin. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If there are any native speakers listening, I apologize. I'm trying so hard. And I, set I us Google... straight. If we screw something up, set us straight. Yeah, we want to get yeah. it right. No, I Googled, like, I always Google words that I don't know how to pronounce to see mm-hmm. if I can figure it out. And a lot of these words, there's zero pronunciation anywhere on the internet. So I know that I'm murdering them. I apologize. I, I feel terrible. I really am trying. So please. Correct me if so, you're listening. What was it? A, an Anishinaabe word for? It was. It referred to a channel for a canoe. Okay, because like I, I was saying, there's a Sheboygan in Wisconsin as well that's spelt with an S. Okay. Instead, and you know, it it kind of does make sense that uh, it would come from an Ojibwa word word because uh, of the multiple spell spellings and variations. Mm-hmm. Like Sheboygan with a C here, Sheboygan with an S over there. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like that 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 is quite possible yeah all right cool the next one is chippewa county chippewa county occupies the Mm -hmm. easternmost portion of the upper peninsula Mm -hmm. it was named for the chippewa tribe and is home to the largest of nine michigan reservations for the sault ste marie tribe of chippewa indians that's right home of sault ste marie Mm -hmm. that beautiful city i always talk about i love the sioux Last, but certainly not least for today, is Clare County. In 1843, Clare County was named for a county of the same name in Ireland. It's said the surveyor might have been Irish and that he named Michigan's Clare after his home county. Between 1840 and 1843, however, Clare was on the books as Kaki County, possibly after a Sauk chief, S-A-U-K, is it Sauk? Mm -hmm. The Sauk once lived in an eastern lower Michigan until moving to Wisconsin and northern Illinois. So that's that's county roots for today. 
All right, that's cool. So yeah, Clare County is named after County Clare. Yeah. That's how they say it in Ireland. Yeah. Like we're in County Wayne. There's a travel ch- there's a travel show on PBS about Ireland, of course. I'm always watching travel shows on PBS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's um it's about Ireland and that's how they they go to different counties and and I'm pretty sure that they did an episode on County Clare cuz it, it that seems familiar to me. So, mm-hmm. very cool. So, our show today Mm-hmm. Our show. Our show today. I actually asked on our Facebook page for our listeners to send us their summer adventure recommendations because I wanted to kind of compile a list of like the must-sees and must-dos in, in Michigan and then share. I also asked them to share their favorite memories. And as always, they didn't disappoint. Yay. Miranda, who is a friend and former coworker of mine, as well as listener and fellow podcaster Doug, both said Silver Lake Sand Dunes was a great place to visit. Miranda said she goes to the dunes every year and would like to know more about the history. So I figured, why not? We'll do a no show right. about it. All of this information that I'm going to share today came from Wikipedia, the Chicago Tribune, and the Detroit Free Press. Mm-hmm. It's good to speak about another sand dune in Michigan, seeing how Sleeping Bear gets all the attention. Does it? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it was named by, uh, what, Good Morning America several years ago as the most beautiful place in America. Oh, I had no idea. Never heard of it, huh? Never heard of it. <laughs> The last ice age ended about 10,000 years ago, and it's responsible for much of the landscape of the Great Lakes and Michigan. It is believed that the Silver Lake sand dunes began forming some 5,000 years ago, which, crazy enough, makes them geological, geologically pretty young. Within the last 500 years or so, researchers have found that wind, waves, and human activity have aggressively changed the dunes. So, how are they formed? Mm-hmm. I would like to know this. Basically, listen, this is not a really intense episode. Like, there's not a whole lot going on with how these were formed. So I I apologize. We can make it intense. But basically, very fine sand would blow onto the shores, getting caught up and clumped in vegetation, like beach grass, uh, bushes, trees, whatever. The vegetation would die and become covered with more sand, wash, rinse, Repeat. Very fine sand, though. That's all that we accept here in Michigan is very fine sand. Yes. We don't take okay sand. No. We don't take that near-do-well sand. Mm -mm. Save that for Chicago. Yes. We want the the very fine sand. Fun fact about the sand. The finest sand you can find in Lake Michigan. The sand forming the dunes is super fine and silky, and it's made mostly from quartz dumped by Canadian glaciers. Oh. Yeah. Thank you again, Canada. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So... There are about 1,600 acres of sand dunes near and on the shores of Lake Michigan, with part of the dunes being in Silver Lake State Park. Silver Lake State Park is broken up into three segments. There's the all-terrain vehicle portion of the northern area where private motorized vehicles can be driven. The middle part of the park is called the walking dunes, where there aren't vehicles of any kind allowed, and the southernmost part is leased to a private operator. The park originated in 1920, when 25 acres were donated for park purposes by Carrie E. Mears, the daughter of lumber baron Charles Mears. In 1926, the federal government transferred 900 acres to the state, which became Sand Dune State Park in 1949. Based upon a 1949 master plan, the two were merged with Silver Lake State Park, seeing its new boundaries dedicated in 1951. All right. 
I'm still going back to how they're formed. Now, you said uh, Canadian glaciers are involved. Are they? Is this still like meltwater coming off of these glaciers yes. still coming down? So it's sort of like throughout that whole process, a single grain of sand is almost like it's in a rock tumbler. Sure. And just, you know, gets shaped and formed into this very fine sand that we're looking for. Yes. Here in Michigan. Yeah. And it ends up on our finest shore, mm-hmm. the Lake Michigan shoreline. Beautiful, picturesque. Exactly. All right. So we're on the same page here. <laughs> yes. I I kind of want to draw like a flow chart of, of it coming down. And I've never been to the sand dunes. So, I mean, I've seen them, obviously. Like, We've I'm been not, adjacent. We've I mean, been in I'm, the area. But I'm not, like, I don't really, I don't like sand. I don't like sand between my toes. I love being at the beach. I love being outside in the sun. A nice stone beach. I like going, well, no, but I'm just saying, like, I'll I'll stop like right now my toes are uncomfortable because I'm thinking about sand between my toes and how much I dislike it. I mean, you know, I'm very much a texture and feel person mm-hmm. and certain things just really make me physically uncomfortable. I, I have a visceral reaction to a lot of different things that I touch and just thinking about the sand between my toes makes me so uncomfortable. And mm. and I want to go to the sand dunes, but all I can think of is I have to somehow make sure that the shoes that I'm wearing will prevent any bit of sand mm-hmm. from getting inside of my shoes and onto my feet because I'm so uncomfortable right now talking about it. Like I am you can I am it. wiggling my feet. I, like I'm wiggling my toes under the table right now because I'm so uncomfortable. But also, I love the idea that the sand is, like, it's notoriously silky. Like, they talk about, and all the different things that I was reading, they talk about how silky the sand is and how it's so smooth and soft and Mm -hmm. it's velvety. And I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. But I can't get past this feeling of, ew, I don't want it touching my feet. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. Yeah, it's... uh. It's funny because uh, between that and uh, the crowds during the summertime, probably the reason why we haven't stopped right, by any exactly. sand dunes. Although we have been in the area, we've been adjacent. Mm-hmm. We've driven past the signs and yeah. just said, "Can't do it today." Nope. Sorry, too many people, <laughs> too much of that fine sand. Yep. So the park is open from April first until October thirty first, and there is a boatload of things to do while you're there. As I said earlier, there's a portion of the dunes designated for off-road vehicles. You can bring your own or they have some to rent there. People enjoy hiking the dunes, beach picnics, swimming. You can camp in the park at the Silver Lake State Park campground. There are cabins to rent. There's hotel rooms around if, you know, rustic isn't really your thing. Thunder Over the Dunes is the 4th of July fireworks show for the Silver Lake Sand Dunes, which is definitely something that I would want to check out Mm -hmm. because... I was born on the 4th of July, and Happy I love birthday. fireworks. Hey, yeah, you didn't know that? I did. Oh. That's what I thought the fireworks were for. For me? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like to advertise. That's what I like to tell you anyway, so in, <laughs> in lieu of buying you a present. Say, baby, I got your fireworks. Wow, real Again. clever. My mm. parents have been doing that for years. Mm. Well, they know wah, what you like. Wah. In episode 16 of Great Lakes Confidential, Women Lighthouse Keepers is what we called it. We talked a little bit about some of the lighthouses in the state, and there just happens to be one in the southwest corner of the Silver Lake State Park. Little Sable Point 
Lighthouse was built in 1874. It stands 107 feet tall, making it one of the tallest lighthouses in Michigan. Between late May and late September, you can visit the lighthouse and climb the 130 steps to the top for a $5 donation. Wow. I went looking to see if there were any female lighthouse keepers at Little Sable Point. I wasn't able to find anything. So, wah, wah. If you've been to the dunes in the past and are going to go again this summer, you may notice a few changes. As, again, someone who's never been, I'm not sure what entering the park looked like before, but apparently traffic was a real B. And the DNR is trying to make changes to make it more efficient and enhance the experience. So according to 9 and 10 News, if your vehicle is dune ready, and that means with a safety flag in the correct spot, tire pressure down, proper stickers, you'll get to move to the safety checkpoint in a fast track lane. There are also new emergency identification markers on the dunes. So if this experiment works out well, this could be the new norm moving forward. I think we need to make a trip out there, even though, you know. Yeah, we will. It's just one of those things like, you know, we avoid that kind of that, that northwest corner of the lower state here mm-hmm. just because, you know, it's notoriously busy. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, for good reason. It's a beautiful destination, but there's just so much stuff I want to do from, right. you know, there from like, you know, Mackinac City all the way down to Muskegon. Right. That whole coast. Yeah. Go see the dunes. Go get some cherry pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's you know, lots of stuff to do. That's that's what we could do. We could do it. I wanna, well, I don't want to mention anything else because there'll probably be future shows we're talking about. So we'll stick to the dunes. Yeah, stick to the dunes. So in digging around for stories about the dunes, I found way too many regarding accidental deaths than I'd like to share. So we're not going to do that. But there's another danger that a lot of people may not have thought about. So I found this story from 2017 about a family fighting the dunes and the state of Michigan after sand completely swallowed one of their vacation homes on Lake Michigan. Mm. For years, the family would pay to have sand removed from their property, but the winds kept blowing and the sand kept coming and poof. All of a sudden, one of their homes was gone. I hate to say it, but don't well, build your home so close to the sand dunes. The thing is, though, those like there was one of one of the two houses had been there for ever. It was like like the people are, you know, our age or a little bit older, and the one home was his family home from when he was a child. Like it was, you know, it was their vacation home. From years and years ago. So we're talking, it wasn't like, oh, they just showed up and built this house in this area. Like this house had been there for 50, 60, 70 years. And because of nature, and it just kept blowing and blowing and blowing. And now they're in danger of, you know, this, this sand. And so it swallowed a house. Right. I mean, you look at like, uh, you know, pictured rocks and, and uh, you know, yeah, Miner's Castle was there for hundreds of thousands of years mm-hmm. and erosion still gets it. Right. It's still, like just when just people building too close to things in general, just mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, you, get, you know, you kind of you're kind of getting what you asked for. Right. Like when you see these pictures of homes that were built on cliffs and the yeah. cliffs have then eroded and the homes halfway hanging off. Right. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. So the state of Michigan finally told the family that they could not truck sand out. Uh, The dunes and the sand are protected. So at one point, the family estimated the wall of sand that was creeping behind the home as was as tall as 80 to 150 feet. I saw photos. It's it looks terrifying. So I also tried finding 15 story building. Yeah. Made out of sand. Yeah. 
So I, I tried finding more current information to see if the home is still there, or if the family is still fighting with the state, but I can't find anything further. So if anybody knows about the Dresslers and their battle with the sand, I would love to hear more because this is, I am just so, I'm just so crazy interested. Like what happened? Like, like something, I mean, 2017 was when the story was written. That was, mm-hmm. you know, five, six years ago, five years ago. So is the house still there? I don't, I don't know. And and then you think about like, if the house is still there, do they still own it? Are they trying to sell it? Like what's, because who's going to buy this house, right? Yeah. Like, and at what point does the state step in and say, okay, you know what? We're sorry. We're going to compensate you for this. Like what happens? I don't understand how, like, what is the resolution for something like this? It's just so insane to me, but it swallowed an entire house. Yeah. Like, it's gone. <laughs> so I'm guessing that first house was built before there were any rules and regulations. Yes. And it was like, oh, you know what? It's working out for us. Yes. You go ahead and build one. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the same family owned both houses, though. So the Dresslers. Yes. Yes. So that's pretty much what I have about the dunes and the state park and the history and some some stories. But as I mentioned earlier... Doug, a listener who is on the west side of the state, he recommended Silver Lake Sand Dunes on our Facebook page. And I, quote unquote, met Doug on Facebook. We've never met in real life, but (laughs) in real life. Uh, He somehow stumbled on our show a while back. And so he and I began messaging one another because he's also a podcaster. Mm -hmm. He does a show called My Dad, I'm Dad which is this really just amazing, beautiful love letter to the past and to the future. Basically, Doug lost his father right around this, right around the time that his daughter was born. And so he shares stories about memories he has with his dad and growing up and then also navigating, you know, being a parent for the first mm-hmm. time. And he's an amazing storyteller. It's a brilliantly done podcast the episodes are super short they're like 10 to 15 minutes long it's great so if you're you know looking for something else to to listen to and you want to support michigan podcasters please listen to his podcast so he shared a story about the sand dunes that Mm -hmm. he said that we could share with listeners so i'm going to read what he sent me remember to deepen your voice so these are his words he has a very very great like Really good radio voice. Do an impression of it while you I read could never. I could never. So this is Doug's story. It all began years ago when a friend of mine invited me to his family's cottage for the 4th of July in the Hart Mears area. This was before Google Maps, so he sent me cryptic instructions via email of how to navigate from GR to the spot. In his typical fashion, the instructions were littered with references to Deliverance and Mayberry. Still, I got lost and had to call the number to the cabin he provided. He warned me that the landline might be dead or unanswered as they were usually at Lake Michigan and not in the cabin, but I gave it a shot. Kid you not, an Australian voice answered the phone. A short conversation filled with an awesome accent later, and I twisted and turned into a single-track tunnel of trees that left me guessing if I ought to turn back home. When the trees opened, I found myself driving a sandy road dotted with charming cottages that sat a stone's throw away from the big water. Eventually, the wonderful Australian man, brother-in-law of my friend, helped guide me to the beach and the people I've grown to consider more family than friend. As I settled in for the weekend, I kept noticing some engine noises. 
dune buggies, trucks, etc., but I couldn't figure out from where. Turns out, the dunes behind their little cabin run parallel to the Silver Lake dune boundary. A short hike up the sand found me in awe. From the backyard, you can see all the vehicles making dune climbs, the widest panoramic view of Lake Michigan you could hope for, and a spectacular view of any sunset. On the night of the 4th itself, you climb the dune and watch fireworks displays from four different counties from just one spot. That place is magic as far as I'm concerned. Every year, I'm lucky enough to be invited back. Only now, my wife and my young daughter come along for the ride. One big happy family making memories to the tune of buggy engines grinding in the distance. I'm lucky and I owe many of my fondest memories to a dear friend. Aw, thanks for sharing that, Doug. That's a great story. I love it. I love the idea of seeing all of those fireworks from so many yeah. different areas. It it's it kind of reminds me of was it the first summer during the pandemic and we were, we could sit up on the rooftop patio here. Mm-hmm. We have a rooftop patio that's it's become it's like my sanctuary and it's so cool because I get to sit up there basically in the treetops and just kind of listen to whatever's happening in the neighborhood and it's so fun in the summertime because i could hear everything like i can hear from miles and it's great i can hear cars (laughs) racing up and down telegraph or 96 and i can hear birds and i can watch squirrels and the squirrels are wild and i can hear neighbors and i can hear music what they're cooking i love it i love it so much but one of the coolest things was i think it was the first year of quarantine on the 4th of July, I could see, we could sit up there and we could see fireworks from about three or four different places mm-hmm. that were happening. And it was just so, so cool. I loved it. So, Even the neighbor's displays of fireworks were great. Yeah, yeah. It was great. And that's what that that's what his story reminded me of. And we're totally of. not those people that complain about fireworks no. year-round. Like, you know, some people just get mad about the, like, they need to reband these fireworks. And it's like, eh. Just, you know, it's just a moment of fun. Yeah, I love it. Let them have it. I love it. So so that's the uh, that's the show, Silver Lake Sand Dunes and mm-hmm. the State Park. I like it. Yeah. And thank you again, Doug, for sharing your story. I, I love it. We're actually going to figure out a time when we can have Doug on the show and he can educate us on something Michigan oh, related. Cool. So I'm excited about that. So thank you guys so much for listening again. Thank you. Again. You're amazing. And we will, uh, summer is getting so busy. So if our shows start kind of like, if they're not as consistent, please forgive me. Um, Stick with us. We'll make it worth your while. Yeah, we're, we're trying, but it's summertime and, you know, we both work full time and then I run a little side business and it's just, things are kind of chaotic, but yeah, just keep coming back for more. So we'll uh, talk to you guys soon. Goodbye.